0: Hello and welcome to the Bendy and Philby show uh, with Bees. Ironically enough, Philby is not here, so it will be the Bendy and Bees show today. As always, I'm Bendy. I'm Bees. And uh, just to hop right into it, uh, new show on HBO, The
1: Leftovers. Bees, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm not bailing on it yet, but I'm seeing some of Lindelof's bad habits creep in. Such as? Kind of having a mystery just to have a mystery rather than worrying about story and character. Now he's usually pretty good with characters I'm not kind of clear on whether how much I feel about that on this one but like Lost the characters were pretty good and that kind of carried it despite not really having result, resolution for the mysteries. It's definitely an intriguing idea and I'm intrigued by it and definitely Eccleston being in it, the Night Doctor mm-hmm. is one of the main reasons I'm going to keep watching. I hear next episode is all about him so I'm curious about that. I have scruples, but I'm not Completely over it Yeah, it's like one podcast I was
0: listening to They called it the first episode a chore To get through And I think uh, with any other Maybe with any other network besides maybe AMC Or FX, I probably wouldn't even Bother watching, but I think maybe it gets the benefit Of the doubt because it's HBO And because it's HBO is why Probably I'll keep coming back probably at least Until the season's over, unless something You know, really dumb happens
1: yeah, I, uh, I saw this on some review, but people comparing it to Under the Dome and uh, what's that one where dead people are coming back to life as the age when they died. Uh, Six feet re- under. No, like resurrection or something. Oh yeah, I don't. Know. I haven't watched any of the new shows. Like these. Oh, an interesting event happened, and it spends more time worrying about what happened rather than what happens with the characters. And that's
0: kind of, if I had to pick out some things I enjoyed about the first two episodes, at least is they don't they don't really linger on the how or why it happened. I mean, a little bit on the why, but it's more about how do you pick up the pieces from there. It's not immediately after it happens. Yes, they have the cutscene that starts the first episode, but it's more three years later, where are they at now? And I kind of like that it leaves room open for flashbacks and how did they get to that point. So, maybe I like it more it has more potential than at least the last few seasons of Lost because it has that room built in to go back and and see where they got to that point, but, and also because it's based on a book, that maybe he'll have to stick like have his reins a little tighter.
1: Yeah, and uh, I've only read one other book by that guy, Tom Perata or Perota. I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, he wrote Election, which I really liked, um, and I actually want to check out this book before the season ends, just to not compare in like a bad way, but just see how they differ, I guess.
0: I do have to say, I think it's very well cast. I didn't ever think... When I saw Justin Thoreau starring... Yeah. I mean, the only things I've known him from mainly is Wanderlust and... I don't know, what else is the it? 10. The Ten. The yeah, Ten, Parks yeah. and Rec. Parks and Rec, yeah. He I wrote mean, tropics. Comedic roles, yeah. I mean, I didn't doubt that he was a smart guy or capable, but uh, I think he's a really great leading man. He's really the only character thus far that I'm really kind of invested in. The rest... I'm sure they'll have more background. Christopher Eccleston... Uh, Kind of as just this crazy guy. Like, he looks kind of like a Bible thumper. Or maybe the exact opposite of it. But
1: I really enjoy his character. I keep spotting him and thinking, oh, the Doctor will fix everything. (laughs) Like, just forgetting that he's a different character in this.
0: I think the one kind of misfire, at least so far, is Liv Tyler. I don't know if you'll agree with that. She just kind of takes me out of it because, I don't know, in these HBO shows, they kind of cast, at least when they start these no names. I mean, that's kind of why I like Game of Thrones is mm. you'll see a few recognizable faces but it's not anyone that, like, oh, that was one of the leading characters in Lord of the Rings or mm-hmm. Steven Tyler's daughter. Not that she's not capable of acting in the role. She's a great actress.
1: I, I don't know what they're doing with her. It's That's a Lindelof thing. It's it's unclear writing, unclear storytelling. Like, I, I have no idea what her deal is at all. She just seemed, like, sad about her fiancé and then she joined this not-a-cult or whatever like Maybe we'll learn in flashbacks, but I'm not caring about it before I know what anything more about it.
0: Yeah, hopefully before the next podcast, I'll be able to read the book. I, I just ordered it, and I want you know to see, you know, how much of a how much how many liberties are they taking with yeah. this? One thing that they did say that I read was that the book's characters really aren't as well fleshed out in the books, and maybe that's a Lindelof trait—is that he has these good characters. I mean. One of the things that I notice about him and, you know, his movie credits and TV credits are lost. Like, you know, uh, Star Trek in the Darkness. He's... Er, yeah, he wrote that. I thought he did the first one. But no, he saying. did the second one. Yeah. Uh, he might. I'm sure he had a hand in the first one. And Prometheus he did the rewrites on as well as World War Z. And I think if there's one thing he's good at is characters. And with those characters, it's good at setting up a movie. What really I've had issues with and why I hesitate with the show to really go all in on it is because he can't really finish I I, I, I mean he going. sets up these great premises like the first half of Prometheus is just awesome and then he has like these world's leading scientists just go like bumbling in heads first yeah. like trying to pet monsters with teeth and stuff it's just
1: It's kind of a mean way to put it, but it seems like an alien who read a lot of Stephen King books and is just trying to mimic them without really getting what works in Stephen King and what doesn't. Well, I mean, he's a
0: self-proclaimed Stephen King fan. I mean, you won't find much of a bigger fan
1: than him, but... He needs a good partner, a good writing partner, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and that's maybe where Peter Berg comes in as director. I mean, Peter Berg's done a lot of great stuff, such as, like, Friday Night Lights. and okay. I mean, he has done some crappy stuff. I'm pretty sure he did Battleship was one of his movies, so... Yeah. I mean, not that that should be pinned to him, but you know, there's there's a lot of open room, which is what intrigues me. It could go either way.
1: Yeah, and I, like I said, I'm really intrigued about the next. I hear it's the next episode was where it takes off, which is always kind of a funny thing when people are like, "Oh, you have to watch like the first... Forty episodes before it gets good. The first three episodes. Yeah, like, it's
0: like anyone who tells you to watch The Wire, which is myself included. They'll say, so, "Well, you know, wait till the fourth season. That's when it really hits its stride."
1: I see. I think Wire is good from the start till the end, but fourth is the best season. I agree. I
0: mean, they're all good seasons, but not to jump back into that discussion that we've had a bunch of times. But you know, it's that's why I give HBO the benefit of mm-hmm. the doubt, though, is because they do have the money and they do have the patience. That unless the show is really struggling or really doesn't show potential, that they'll give it. The benefit of the doubt
1: well, they don't you know make money from advertisers so they're kind of when they're in they're in
0: one interesting thing I was hearing is that uh, with HBO especially now that they've had this massive success with uh, Game of Thrones which has now surpassed The Sopranos oh, as the top HBO show I mean it's the top show period when it's on I mean it's higher than everything so they have all this capital now from Game of Thrones and what they're doing with it you know they have that wiggle room, but along with that comes higher expectations for yeah. all their shows too. So it's kind of a uh, double-edged sword, as uh, one of Philby's favorite terms, as to you know how they'll handle the show and whether it'll get renewed or not. Because it hasn't yet, but you know I'd look to be the fourth or fifth episode for it to be renewed.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like I said, I'll keep watching, um, but I definitely have some uh, misgivings that what are your specific later. misgivings of it Like I said just unclear story writing I'm not always sure why characters are doing things A small thing that bugs me I know it's a nitpick No one on the show knows how to swear well
0: Yeah besides maybe like Justin Throw like and, and again like he's the considering the exception the big lone spot yeah points. and the rest of it's you know I'm sure these characters will grow into it I mean a pilot's always difficult and yeah. I think the pilot was good enough and bought enough goodwill for me to keep watching it so Yeah I agree We'll definitely see about that. Keeping on the topic of HBO shows, uh, we're a little behind on this since we haven't done a podcast in a while, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Game of Thrones, the finale, uh, being somewhat different than the books. Some things were the same, some things were different, kind of a, a snowball effect, as George R.R. Martin referred to it, as you start with small changes and it kind of snowballs into... Larger changes, changes, and ramifications for the plot.
1: So, what were your overall thoughts of the finale? Oh, good. I mean, it's really hard to top that big shocker of the red wedding. Um, No one should expect it. Uh, I. What was the big change they made? Oh, um, Jamie not telling Tyr. This is from this is a book spoiler. It's not a huge one, but it's. Well, I mean, the show's caught up, so I I don't. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't need to. Yeah, the, the, the 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 show was spoiled. You know, back when the fifth book came out three years ago. Um, in the book, Jamie tells Tyrion that that woman, the prostitute that he had marry him, way back in the past, actually did love him and wasn't a setup, which his dad had told him. It's kind of like a big uh, sucker punch to Tyrion, and it's not in the TV show. I know a lot of people were mad about it. I get why it's kind of important, but it's... Yeah, know, I mean, I think his motivation stayed
0: the same. I mean, in the book, he's... Not as black and white on the show. He's kind of like their shining star. Who? You can, Tyrion. Okay. You can see why he does things, or why he's perceived as being a badder guy than he is. And he does some
1: bad stuff, true, but he also...
0: Right, but I mean, he, if there's one kind of redeeming character that the show tries to keep front and center, rightfully so, because Peter Dinklage is great, it's Tyrion. and In the books, it's, it's a little less cut and dry as it is, so, you know, Jamie tells him, uh, you know they set him up. This lady was a regular lady who liked you for you, and your father had his troops repeatedly rape her and kill her in front of you. It kind of makes his revenge against his father have more. Right, it packs more of a punch, yeah. maybe perhaps. Not that it didn't on the show, because on the show it packs just as much of a punch, I believe, because they built uh, they built his father, the actor who plays him. I, yeah. His name escapes me right now, Char- but Charles yeah. Dance. Yeah. They built uh, Tywin up to be more of a character because he's much more of a focus on the show than he is in the books. So, That's true. one could argue that, you know, it's just as big of a, a twist to have him killed off. Not that killing anyone on the show should surprise anyone at this point.
1: Right. Um, another big change was they had the Hound. Obviously, we're talking about spoilers. Get into a fight with Brienne, and uh, get killed or wounded, supposedly. Yeah, no one's ever really
0: dead unless you see their head chopped off.
1: And I believe that's the same in the book. He's kind of its uncertain whether he actually dies or it's just pretty much... I mean, he's probably dead, but not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. In the books, what is it? he It's the bite that infects? Yeah, infection.
0: which actually happens on the show. Uh, a few episodes ago, he's bitten. Uh, Aria says, you know, let me take a look at that. Let me do this. But, you know, obviously his aversion to fire, he can't oh, do anything right. with it, which is, you know, the same in the book. But in the show, kind of a beaten. You know, switch. it's kind of like death by Brienne, instead of just a slow, slow wound
1: that kind of festers and infects him. I actually want to talk about that scene. It was really good. It started like when it was the sword fight. There was this kind of adventurous music going mm-hmm. on, and then as soon as the swords went away, and it deterioration brutal, no music whatsoever. It turned into a real fight where they were just tearing into each other with their hands and you know. Legs, I guess. It's
0: like someone commented online. I didn't know I needed that fight until I saw it, or I didn't know I wanted it until I saw it, which is true. It was just greatly choreographed and kind of keeping true to, you know, if they did actually fight in the books, or you know, that was probably how it would have been written.
1: Right, right. What was the other? I I like Arya's. I like the last shot being Arya on the boat sailing off. To, yeah, um... I have to. She's sailing off to what? Bravos. Bravos, that's it.
0: Yeah, because she got the the coin, and she's sailing off there now to. You know, fulfill you know further books storylines, but there's one. I mean, I I won't lay it out completely because there's a few people who probably don't read the books, but they there was a big, big uh, not a story twist, but just kind of Uh, a cool OMG
1: moment. Yeah,
0: moment that I think everyone was really waiting for, and you know, I'm not I'm not sure if it'll be included. They've said it will not be included in the next season. It remains to be seen whether it's really important to the plot or not, depending on what the next book that comes out.
1: And they do know says. what happens. I think they know the broad strokes. Yeah, they West say America.
0: they do, but I, George R. R. Martin strikes me as someone who would just want to mess with people. Like that is true. it's like it's like the Lost writers. Like <laughs> if they figure out the plot, he'd write it another way just to spite them. Yeah, that is true. Um,
1: well, another episode, the one before the was it before the last one, the penultimate? Yes, the, um, it's all,
0: the ninth episode is always the the big action piece or the the big. Shocker. Which in this one was at the
1: wall. Which is funny, that's not my favorite storyline. It's not bad, it's just, it's not my favorite. And well, that episode made me care about it, because that was such a well-directed episode.
0: I feel, yeah, it was well-directed, and, you know, they, they kept trying to say that, you know, this is one of our finest episodes, and but, you know, it didn't kind of build out to Blackwater. I mean, to compare it to something fantasy-wise, I'd say... Where I really liked the Battle of Helm's Deep and the battle in the third movie at Minus Tirith is really great and probably even a grander spectacle. It's just how things were built up to Helm's Deep that I kind yeah. of preferred it, and that's kind of the same thing with Blackwater and the battle they have there, as opposed to the wall. But it's, I mean, equally as good, I would say, and just didn't really carry the same emotional weight for me. You're saying the wall didn't? The wall didn't. I mean, oh, especially okay. because I, in,
1: I feel the opposite. But I also have not watch Blackwater. In
0: the in the, the books, they. You know the battle rages on for days, days yeah. and nights, and so it's more of a desperation thing. Not as not that they're still not as desperate; it's just not hammered home as, as much as it is in the books.
1: See, I need to reread.
0: Well, because in the books, it's like they're down to like pretty much
1: their last. What's, few guys is it spread out over like the whole book? I think, or part it's part at least of the book? half of it. Yeah. that they're that they're fighting at the wall. To say those giants were pretty cool though. Oh no, I
0: mean, the CG budget that they get for yeah. it now is just really great, you know, whereas in the first season, <laughs> it's they couldn't bad. show any battles. It'd be like a few guys laying on the ground and some Tyrion smoke.
1: would get knocked out right before the battle.
0: Yeah. Which again, doesn't happen in the books, but you know, there's always going to be those. Concerns. Oh yeah. But, no. but uh now that I'm I'm really glad they have money to pay, you know, top people to play these roles and have the money to do these battles, you know. And I'm pretty sure they go to HBO each season for each of these episodes and Say so, you know, hey, I need fifteen million to film this, and HBO says take all my money. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, How many I, more do they have to catch up? Is it three seasons, four? At least two, oh, I think. Two at, books. Well, two books. Well, no, they're they're pretty much well. See, because the fourth and fifth books were combined into the same storyline, just different characters for each oh, book, right? Because they run concurrent with each other. Oh boy. So now I think the focus on this season is going to be in Dorne, and Dorne, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is where. Uh, what's his name comes from? The, the Red, Viper. Red Viper. Oberyn. and Martell. And it's going to focus on the Martell family. Because as you recall, the Lannisters sent their youngest daughter, their only daughter, mm-hmm. uh, to wed their prince in kind of like a truce fashion. Um, so I think that, you know, I'm sure they'll make up a few stories. There's definitely plenty of story to go on. Yeah. But, you know, to kind of take the focus away and add new characters. And maybe it's a little foreshadowing at, the, at some of the books that are going to come out mm-hmm. uh, to focus on that.
1: Um, I'm not sure if they're going to focus on the Iron Islands or not. I haven't heard anything about that. They really have kind of glossed over a lot of that. Maybe they should go back to that for this season. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in the books and that.
0: Yeah, you would Those think books. they would. So um, definitely some things to look out for. Uh, if you're an avid fan, Cast News, I'm sure, will be soon. I know they've already started filming some stuff, so mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, lots of promise there. Always looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. And they the one point they did bring up in the podcast I was listening to is kind of the difference between... Game of Thrones and Lost to The Leftovers not to go back and harp on it, but that those two shows make you just want to like jump on the computer right afterwards, or talk to your friends, or be on Twitter about it, and The Leftovers, you're just kind of left feeling like, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's definitely not, it's a catch too, because I want to get on and talk about it, but I don't want Lindelof and company to create mysteries that they can't answer, won't have a satisfying end.
1: Yeah, I would overall agree.
0: Yeah. So, you'll be happy to know that uh, recently uh, I finally caught up to Doctor Who Um, I finally see what all the fuss is about Um, (laughs) the last few seasons of Moffat like I've said on previous podcasts they've really hit their stride in terms of storytelling and like Game of Thrones their CG budget finally matches kind of their aspirations about it Um, so the last three episodes uh, really enjoyed them Uh, maybe the build up was a little too much just because I'd read too much about it but sad to see Matt Smith go
1: what were your thoughts on the last three? I mean, I guess we're jumping to the end, but um, I like that his exit was very different from the last two. The first one, Ninth Doctor the Tenth, is very abrupt. It's very sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tenth of the Eleventh is tragic and drawn out. And oh, I mean, so you, you see it
0: coming for, for episodes. Yes. Yeah. It's,
1: it's... Um, and then this one's just kind of a wistful... I mean, I guess it's almost bittersweet, because... Uh, uh, spoilers, but for those who watched, he thinks he's on his last life, he can only regenerate so many times, and then bit of a deus ex machina, but he gets an extra kind of heaping of lives to regenerate into, so he gets to live, but as someone new, but as he says, he'll never forget
0: who yeah. he was. I mean, it's kind of the opposite, because the last two Doctors, you know, Christopher Eccleston, uh, you know, I don't know if it's built up that much to where you're kind of sad to see him go, he only has a one season arc, but Definitely with David Tennant, you know, he's drawn out. He doesn't want to go, but with Matt Smith, you know, he doesn't think he can go on because he's used all of his lives. But then he seems like almost happy. I mean, he is. He's yeah. thrilled to get that life back and to regenerate. So it's kind of a twist. And yeah, I haven't seen the old classic ones, but I'm sure they were a bit melancholy.
1: Um, there's they, actually like, a supercut on YouTube where they show each transformation. It's kind of cool to see how they each handled it. Some are really. Old TV style, and some you can tell like they didn't have the act, the old actor, there was some kind of fight. Um, What I like though, uh, I said this before, I think, but each doctor's been very different. Ninth doctor was, you know, PTSD war vet, yeah, uh, tenth doctor was space Jesus, and the eleventh is basically I am legend, like he's kind of towing the line between hero and monster, and so kind of getting a chance to move on into something new. Redempt redeemed even in the the day of the doctor by those events. Yeah,
0: uh,
1: it's kind of it's kind of nice that he gets a new start.
0: Now, uh, one thing I thought was really cool and days the middle one, correct? Or is that the yeah, third one? Yeah, no,
1: that's the middle one. Fiftieth anniversary.
0: Right, the fiftieth anniversary, and I'm glad you brought that up because what I thought was kind of cool was them paying homage to the older doctors. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you can see you know all the body doubles and all that if you really want to, but I thought it was really cool them kind of. You know, going back to their roots, you know, it is it is a different show than, than the historical ones. but And, you know, I I, I like saying that, but I, I haven't seen any of the old ones. You know, I've, I've read about them, I've seen snippets. But I thought that was really cool for them to kind of pay tribute to that while bringing back David Tennant in kind of a way that felt more organic than I thought they could. Yeah. Rather than, this is the only guy that we can get because we can't book these other guys.
1: Yeah. I, it, I it, it,
0: it did feel like a really cool storyline to bring him back for.
1: And now uh, you said you didn't like... That it turns out he didn't destroy, he didn't commit genocide. Right in the third one, I know in the second one, Day of the Doctor is the one where he. Oh right, changes yeah, that. you're right, you're right. Um, I kind of see what you're saying. The effect still is there; like it still is it, as if he committed genocide. What I do well, like I about it, though think so. is they've wiped all the mysteries clean. They have cleared up everything, and there's now just one mystery ahead, and that is where is his home planet Gallifrey. It's a it's almost it rebooted itself, almost.
0: Yeah, so I do like cool. that that frees them up to do their own original stories, because I think that's what they do best with yeah. Moffat and uh, the other two or three writers that really mainly write the episodes. So, in essence, it does reboot it. You know, they have a new doctor, and... It settled the
1: question and the answer and the silence and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I just... I guess, and it keeps his motivation the same, too, at least until he finds out that his old planet is still there. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, the whole kind of core of his character is that For the for this
1: new one, yeah.
0: For the new one, is that he had this planet he was on. They were in this time, this long drawn out war, and he decided to kind of wipe out both sides in an act of genocide because this war was going to go on. It was going to, you know, just kill so many people. So
1: it's actually kind of unclear if he kills them or just yeah, or if he just freezes
0: them. But regardless, he kind of puts them in a state where he'll never be able to go back see them or have any interaction with them again. Despite one or two different stories and. This story kind of changes that to where he saves them, but it works out in a fashion that he'll have no knowledge that that actually happened. Mm -hmm. He'll still believe that he did that, but, you know, somewhere in space and time, and, you know, they kind of hint that that'll be
1: the main storyline for the next season, that, you know, it's out there now. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just the sole mystery of the show now. They can just do, um, they can start over. They can have a, a new kind of focus. Um, what did you think of Capaldi's moments? He, at uh, the end,
0: well, I mean, he just squinted at the camera for two seconds, so I, I can't really say. He had I mean, a few he, lines.
1: what were his lines? He was, he was. I have kidneys. I don't like the color. Oh yeah. And then he. Yeah. Oh, it's right after Matt Smith, right before he changes, says, "I will never forget when the doctor was me." And that one of Paulie's first lines is, "So, do you have any idea how to fly this thing?" <laughs> yeah, I mean.
0: I'm kind of averse to the idea of an older Doctor, just because I liked Matt Smith and David Tennant so much. Christopher Eccleston I'm just kind of lukewarm about, but I don't know, I mean, I'm sure they had a reason for casting him, and I'm sure I'll warm up to him, and I know you like the
1: idea of an older Doctor. Well, I just like ADF idea of Capaldi, really. Um, go watch In the Loop, or that's a movie, it's on Netflix, mm-hmm. or, oh, what is the name of it? The British show that started In the Loop, uh,
0: it'll come to you, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: but. Anyways, and one of
0: the other things I was discussing is that, uh, you know, not in a pervish kind of way, but I I do enjoy like the sexual tension that Matt Smith and David Tennant had to some degree with their companions, because you know, I mean, that's one of the things that keeps the show going. Mm-hmm. It's like it's never a will they won't they because you know that he never pretty much would and the unless that would be,
1: would be Rose, yeah,
0: yeah, and so, and that would be a little bit weirder if that storyline or that effect would be continued. But I think. Maybe with Capaldi as an older gentleman, they would you know, pull back on that and have her be more of an equal with him, because she's kind of been around the block before with the Doctor.
1: Right, and it's going to be kind of funny, I'm sure, to see her adjust to that, to not having sexual tension with the with the right. Doctor as he is now. Um,
0: and one of the things we have discussed, and I'd just like to hit on it again, is just that I really like when the Doctor does have male companions, uh, you know, Donna's grandfather, and Captain Craig Jack. and yeah, Captain Jack and you know all those guys is it, it would be cool maybe if Capaldi's next companion cause I, you know I don't know how long they stick with Claire usually it's like a season and a half for his companions uh, yeah. but who knows how long she's signed for it it's really kind of up in the air as far as I know and I do I I would like to even see multiple companions they've done that a few times yeah and that was one thing that I did really enjoy about
1: oh Rory yeah
0: yeah they had Rory on and. You know, they had a sexual tension between him and Amy, but then he said, you know, uh, this is wrong, bring your husband along. And they kind of grew to, to like each other. It is it is kind of funny, though, that, you know, when the pawns do leave, is that he doesn't shout out for Rory, he doesn't really even seem to care. I mean, he's angry, but, you know, overall, he's, he's more bummed about Amy. And that's fair, because, you know, she's the girl, quote-unquote, who waited. and In The first face, this face right. saw, as he says. So, and,
1: yeah, and that comes back
0: next month? I think, I think so. Think. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be excited to actually be able to watch it live for the first time in about two or three years since I started (laughs) watching it, so definitely excited and definitely uh, thrilled to see where that goes. Getting into the movie portion of our podcast, uh, one of the more recent movies that we've both seen and enjoyed, as far as I know, uh, 22 Jump Street. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great comedy sequel. I didn't... It wasn't as many laugh-out-loud moments as 21 Jump Street, but I do think it was more sustained comedy, Mm-hmm. From beginning to end, uh, I don't think it lagged too much. Um, I just, you know, it's one of those rare movies where it's smart, but I can still, you know, turn my brain off and mm-hmm. enjoy both of the characters and even like a lot of the supporting characters. I thought the supporting cast was a lot better this time around.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I didn't see Twenty One Jump Street till it was on DVD, even after like a few months. No, I me mean,
0: neither. I was, I was so, I'd heard all the hype, but I was still kind of pushing back on seeing it and then it's one of those things where I saw it and I loved it
1: yeah and it's one of those movies um, and actually this will go to another movie we both saw but uh, the more I watch it the more I like it the funnier it gets uh, and I think that'll be the same with 22 Jump Street I definitely that ending the end credit sequence was one of the funniest things
0: yeah that, uh, we won't give away what the end credit sequence is but um,
1: really a really long sustained sequence that just had me rolling that's actually one of my roles in movies is the end credit should be just as enjoyable as the rest of the movie uh, they definitely do that in this. I think I somewhat facetiously called it the best comedy sequel since Wayne's World 2, but I also haven't seen those in a while, so I don't. I'm know
0: sure if, if we really thought about it, we could come up with a few good comedy sequels. But the fact that none of them really come to my head, like if I like, if think about it like that, funny, but I wouldn't.
1: You know, um, I, I, I it's I never like I've told you,
0: again. it was it was funny, but oh, yeah. you know, I didn't build it up for me. I didn't watch that many previews. And I didn't try to spoil it for myself, so. I may, might have enjoyed it more than most people who got too pumped up to see it. But. Right. Again, no uh, sequels really... I mean, like, had The Hangover 2 been a little different, maybe that would have been just as good. But again, I enjoy both Jump Streets just as much as, probably if not more, than the first Hangover movie.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: So, uh, I would definitely recommend it. No. Uh, I've seen it twice, just as funny the second time. Pick up more stuff. I mean, it's Lord and Miller, the guys who have done the first one. They did the Lego Movie. Um, they're contracted for a few other big upcoming kind of movies. I can't think they of what they are
1: now. Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs One, right? Um, and they like came up with a story for two. I really liked two. Apparently, people didn't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they
0: just kind of thrive with these pop culture movies, and they they have a really good they're good at really good pulse on bad ideas yeah. and a good ideas. They have a really good pulse on you know what is actually funny and not mm. just like forced comedy. And they, uh, I think they did the first episode
1: of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, my brother was telling me.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really can do no wrong at this point.
1: Yeah. Which, so, it's a little worrisome. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, until, I'm, stuff, pro- until
0: they're proven wrong, but you know, I'm happy for it now and to their continued success. What was the second movie you were...
1: Oh, uh, they came together. Oh, the yeah. one with Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler directed by David Wayne.
0: Which is so excited to see
1: that video on demand. Six, like six bucks most. Oh so, yeah, I mean, like it's cheaper than an actual movie ticket to rent it for your in entire household. Anyone, yeah, anyone in your household or comes to your household can watch it.
0: Which is odd because I don't even think it's showing in any movie theaters in Pittsburgh. Maybe I don't like think in one Pittsburgh or two, may. but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how they're technically releasing it. I haven't seen it anywhere. It's a real shame. I know people who see it are either going to love it or hate it. I know if you're listening to this podcast, the a ninety-nine percent chance that You'll like it. You've seen Wet Hot American Summer, I'm sure. And if you've seen that, you know it's pretty much a companion piece to it's, it.
1: It's closer to that than any of their other movies.
0: Right. Um, I mean, they pretty much had. I mean, because they wrote it, and I'm sure everyone took a massive pay cut to be in it, and that they probably financed a decent amount of it by themselves. So, and you can see that because, you know, they have more liberties to take. You know, you can see with Role Models and Wanderlust and some of the other more recent David Wayne movies, they're funny, but you can see. Where maybe the studio stepped in yeah. and pulled it back a little bit, but this one just goes off the
1: rails in the funniest ways. I will say, like, like role models and wanderlust, it's it's not going to be reached like peak funniness for me until the fourth time I watch it. No, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's rewatchability. I think. Um, I'd like to say I'm, Christopher I'm, Maloney MVP. Oh yes, movie by far. And Michael, oh, is that a spoiler? Who shows up at the end? It's not really. Oh, no, it's, uh... What's his name? Michael ah, Shannon. Yeah, yeah, Michael Shannon showing up at the end. And, uh, Gerard... Is it Gerard Butler? No, it's...
0: Uh, I forget who it is, but... It's one of those guys. Lots of, lots of great cameos. Yeah.
1: Um, but definitely the same sense of humor as what Hot American Summer. Um, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler are both really funny in it.
0: Yeah, there's some really good, unexpected, like, sustained gags that, again, I won't... I won't spoil, because I know it's somewhat notorious in this podcast for spoiling things, but, uh... Mm-hmm. Christopher Maloney's great, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler, I mean it doesn't seem like it but they're really giving it their all because you know while it's still somewhat of a believable movie in the movie sense, it's also
1: you know they're really hamming it up for the comedic value of it as well. What I noticed about it is every scene is an act break, it's a a point of no return, every single scene. There are, what, 30 act breaks in the whole thing, usually there's only like two or three. Um, so every scene is kind of that big moment between, like, act two and act three of a normal movie, um, which is kind of a funny thing to keep in mind. Right, and just to backtrack a little bit,
0: the, the premise of this movie is just a riff on, you know, these beloved romantic comedies, so the main two being, you know, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail.
1: Something like Jerry Maguire there. There's a little
0: bit of Jerry Maguire in there with, uh, you know, the sister who hates men, like the jaded women, and, uh. And the who's coming with me and all that and you'll see those bits in there but it, it's not you know it's not like scary movie where they're doing it just for oh. people to yuck it up it's it's really
1: it's not references yeah it's actual parody and, satire
0: you know i you got you have to assume that you know while you know i don't assume the majority of audiences are dumb you know i do sometimes in the case that people keep seeing paying to see transformers agent uh, station yeah But, you know, that some people would just say, what is this? You know, you kind of have to be somewhat dedicated and have a really dry sense of humor to enjoy it. Or just go in without having any expectations. Because, you know, they did market it as a straight-up romantic comedy, and that's (laughs) what I kind of... what just makes me laugh, picturing people walking in and thinking that and seeing this and just going, what the hell? Yeah, just go read some IMDb reviews,
1: and the the, the poor reviews on IMDb will tell you why you need to see this. It is just... Love, love, hate uh, with that. Speaking of, just real quick, what was the last Transformers movie you saw? That's in theater um, period. Well, unfortunately,
0: my cousin. Well, my cousin and I, who he's younger, so somewhat more of an uncle figure too. But he and I see most superhero movies together, and along with that, he considers Transformers to be a part of that. Uh, so right. I did so that's see like a,
1: I did see the third one in theaters. I didn't see the first two in theaters. I don't think I only saw the first one. Have not and seen the third one. Years. I hear it corrects some of the second one, but that's like yeah. I mean, I'm a, it's, you're the smartest kid on the short sandwich. bus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
0: it's good in the fact that I go because I I literally want to turn off my brain and I just want to watch them fight and that's all it is. There's no plot. It's just fighting. They just destroy Chicago. I don't think it's necessary than like continuous plot points. Like, why do they have to be like in the fourth one, the Battle of Chicago, and and I don't know. I've heard it's two, like almost three hours, the yeah, newest one. So I mean, I feel like I'm giving this movie more time than
1: it's even warranted
0: to discuss. But
1: I was just curious. I, I, how many have you seen in theaters? I only saw the first one. Period. The first one was okay. I'm not like trying to brag or anything. I'm just it, it's. I'm usually I'll see any. I saw all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies in theaters. You know, yeah, I but saw those
0: lot. were those were pretty well reviewed for the most part. The first three got decent reviews. The first two got were solid on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that that's my barometer. I mean, that's what I do use usually if I'm on the edge about something. But
1: um, I'm just I'm, I wasn't trying to like brag though. I'm just saying I, it's curious to me that they. I'm not like trying to judge them, but they never interested me past the first one. I don't know if that I, I don't know why it was just, I was just curious
0: Yeah I mean I think I don't go for them for interest You know I, I don't expect it to be An HBO drama like right. we've been talking about Or anything deeper than just Robots and special effects And pyrotechnics So you know from that I mean I don't I don't thumb my nose out of that no, much not. I just don't see I, it, It's it's as much of a draw for me as anything else That I'd be flipping around the channels to watch
1: Right so. Do um, you want to talk about Edge of Tomorrow? I was going to say, I was going to open with, not open, but this summer, how do you feel about movies this summer? It's been.
0: I think 4th of July weekend was really. I mean, uh, people have been harping on it already, so I'm not the first person to say it, but 4th of July, the offerings for that weekend, just not good at all. I mean, what it was, was Tammy, Tammy and, Transformers. and Transformers. and You know, like usually there's like one well reviewed or at least good action flick that I want to see, and I guess. No one really wanted to challenge Transformers because they know no matter how bad it is, people are going to see it. Um,
1: Yeah, so like... know, if I had my
0: choice, I'd go see Edge of Tomorrow, but that's been out for a month. Have
1: you seen it? I have not seen it yet. Um, I'm going to double feature this.
0: Okay. No spoilers, though.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Um, We have two really good science fiction movies out. One kind of at the popular end of science fiction and one at the more kind of hard, weird science fiction. That's Edge of Tomorrow and Snowpiercer. So in a movie, and you know, some are kind of devoid of big, great blockbusters. Fingers crossed for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the new preview looks great. Uh, we have Edge of Tomorrow, which you should go see. Your feelings about Tom Cruise aside, whatever. I feel like they may most be, people are somewhat over that. It's just that I feel
0: like, well, with Edge of Tomorrow, and not to drive take you off your point, but it just wasn't marketed at all. Yeah, they market it like they're like well did, were you one of the ten people that saw Oblivion in theaters well you'll love this yeah, I still haven't seen Oblivion but... and again that's and that's why I mean they they had like maybe like I saw maybe like one or two previews and that was it I mean, what the previews never
1: showed is this movie is funny and it's fun and
0: it's maybe they just very... said word of mouth would carry but it's Tom Cruise it's not a word of mouth thing just to I mean, advertise he's... the
1: heck out of it people will flock to theaters he's probably at his most watchable in this movie uh, that's a great, great character hear, or... I mean I, I'm like a... Huge fan of Tom Cruise, despite disliking a lot of stuff. But around he's him. a little easier to separate. I mean, he's a little hokey about, or he
0: was a little mm-hmm. crazy about his religion, but he wasn't saying anti-Semitic remarks right, or anything. Right. He was just a little weird. But I mean, there I think people are, are more easily able to separate that.
1: Uh, and, and I read, an, or I was told about an article that explained that that big the couch jumping thing that happened like a few days after YouTube started, after YouTube started existed. Right. So he kind of got caught in a bad crossfire there. Not that it wasn't somewhat kind of and I think people moment. are more willing... It's not even a forgiveness thing, because,
0: you know, he's, where are you forgiving him? for? He's, he's just thought. eccentric, so... But Snowpiercer. Give me the info
1: on that. Uh, so, Tilda Swinton's in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she plays a role that was written as a man, and they didn't change a word of dialogue. Good, because she's... What, androgynous, she's... A little bit, yeah. Um... She's really good at cheese, but there are some really weird, weird, weird parts, but it's still... Is there anything she's not
0: good in? Oh, I'm sure uh, there's a few, but there. I mean,
1: more often than not, she's oh, always yeah, really good. So, what's the, what's the plot set up there? So, actually, I think it's good to go in little knowledge, but so, just what just I went in with, it, here's then. what I went in with. It's another Ice Age, and there's this train carrying survivors just going around the Earth on this huge track. Um... I Chris Evans is going to fight some guys on this train. Chris Evans, nice. Yeah, Chris Evans, who is w- probably one of my favorite actors. Um, what actually this movie reminded me of is the first time I thought, like, oh, that guy can act. Uh, it's the movie Sunshine. I agree. Sunshine?
0: Yeah, Sunshine. Is that Danny
1: Boyle? hmm. Um, it's some weird, I don't know if it's just because he's in it, but some weird similarities to me between the two movies. You know, Fire and Ice, uh, both kind of extreme weathers um, and kind of hard sci fi. So it's really good. It's got a really good and, despite Whitey White White being the star, a pretty diverse cast, um, some good kind of cameos, but I guess guest stars show up in it. Um, Octavia Spencer's really good at it. John Hurt's oh, cool. really good at it. Awesome. Um, Jamie Bell, who I still I can never remember what I know him from except Tintin, but he's really good in it. Uh, it's definitely worth going to see. Uh, so it's like a kind of it's kind of like a limited release. Somewhat. It's in Lowe's. That's the only place I think in Pittsburgh. Um, which is actually pretty impressive. They, I bet that's, they have their own share of
0: it. I feel movies. as though that's a movie that more people will be interested in or will be renting on demand come award season if it's.
1: And if I it, think it's going to be on demand in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, it's definitely. It's going to be
0: ones that it'll be like re released when it's nominated for Oscars, which I think it inevitably be might be, at least performance wise.
1: I, I mean, that's what I've heard. For adaptation, maybe. It's based on a graphic novel, I think. Okay. Um. Like I, I took my niece and my sister to it, and my niece doesn't see a lot of movies. And early on, there's this kind of graphic scene. She's, she turned. me She's like, "What sick movie did you bring me to?" Oh. By the end, though, she was like, "Wow, that was really good." So I think it's just it's a very intense movie. It's definitely worth going to see. There is some kind of weirdness. It's very different, um, but it is it's it's really good. It's by the guy who made The Host, not the Stephanie Myers, no, not Stephanie right. Myers. What's her that's, name? That's that's the Twilight Woman. Uh, I forget. I don't know. Whoever right. read Twilight, they wrote another book called The Host. There's a Korean okay. movie, I think it's Korean, called The Host about a big monster. I never actually saw it, but I really want to now. It's directed by the same guy who did that. Interesting. So, definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah. So, we're kind of nearing the end of our, our super loaded podcast that we've done so far. Uh, we'll leave some room for plugs. My two plugs uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like Bees. I know that it's, it's going to be their first opening day uh we'll try to be as well. Guardians of the Galaxy really excited really to see the, uh, the what Marvel's doing with their cinematic universe as they call it, their cosmic side. Right, and how that really ties into everything. They can pretty much do no wrong. I'd, you know, I'd see whatever they
1: did at this point really. We'll, we'll wait to Ant-Man on that. I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll see.
0: But you know, benefit of the doubt thus far. Oh, yeah, so far. So I'm excited for that second movie uh comes out Friday, so probably by the time this is released, I'm really excited to see the new Planet of the Apes. It's getting really rave reviews. I really enjoy the cast. Uh Gary Oldman, well I should should brought him all while we were talking about Tom Cruise, but I think his interesting comments, but love him as an actor. I love the rest of the cast, uh Jason Clark, really excited to see him. Uh excited for the movie in general. Jason Clark was the guy who was in uh Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, i love that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's great. like he's really great and everything, and this kinda seems to be his big break, so Good. Uh yeah, Devin Ferracci on Badass Digest called it the best movie of the summer. Um, that's good, that's all I want that's all I want it to be, it doesn't need to be anything more than that as long as they're continuing to make these movies I hope it makes a lot of money, I really do so those are my two plugs Uh, music wise, for my plugs like we like to do at the end, I am listening to a few new albums, the new Jack White especially on vinyl, it's got all these cool special features that's really good Uh, Licky Lee, it's spelled L-Y-K-K-E-L-I two different words her new album's really great, that was Unexpected and uh, I think I mentioned it on the last one, but the war on drugs, still listening to that. It's really great. Uh, those are my plugs. Uh, bees,
1: what are your plugs? So I've been re watching The X Files. Um, I have them all on DVD, but they're also on ne- all on Netflix if you have that. Uh, the yes, guy, they the comedian, are. Kameo Nangiani, you know him from Silicon Valley, Portlandia. Yeah, he's really Craig's funny. Crazy Guac Talks guy, yeah, Portlandia. Yeah. one of my favorite skits. And... He is currently doing a podcast called The X Files Files. It's basically talking dead for the X-Files so right. he will watch two episodes every week it comes out there'll be two episodes early on it's one but um, and they will not have a guest star on and yeah just the guest about stars the are like
0: guys who are in the episodes it's really cool guest stars they've been booking some of the people that are in oh. the episodes they're talking about more recently
1: okay because so far the, the highest profile guy was Dan Harmon um but, yeah, it's it's just really fun. A, it's a show that really holds up. And it, if you've never watched it before, it's fun to get into it. If you have watched it before, it's fun to revisit. He's skipping the really bad episodes, uh, unless they're interestingly bad. Um, but he's up to like halfway through season one right now. It's pretty far. And, you know,
0: in general, he's a great Twitter follow as well. Yes. I, yes. I really love his Twitter. Um, ever since
1: he was on Silicon Valley, I've been following him. So, yeah, really he great. He's a funny guy. And what else you got? Um, drunk history's on. That's a very funny show. I've got a History. Pittsburgh shout out. What is it? Uh,
0: Tuesdays, Tuesday nights, or is that? Yeah, Na- yeah, that's, that's Nathan Tuesday. for you as well. Both. Yeah, I. That's I a that's a great one-two punch. That's, um, that's
1: right up your alley. It, I I should check it out.
0: He's so he's so deadpan. It almost makes it. Is hard the premise to watch. of
1: the show him always helping out of business?
0: Um, I, yeah. I mean, there's some other sketches too. I mean, he I got one really where confused, I, I watched a skit yesterday where he. He took a guy who was drawing characters, this caricatures, this really good natured guy, and he told him that he had to be mean. So he was drawing, like, racially. Oh my. Just racially charged pictures and, like, Jeez. giving it to people and, like, drawing pictures of him, like, doing other people's girlfriends. And he told him he had to be mean because that's what comedy was these oh days. my. But, I mean, it's kind of funny because he's so dry and deadpan that you don't know whether it's. He's actually doing this. I mean, some things he actually does do, and some things you don't know if it's a, a skit like Chappelle show or something like right. that. So. It
1: I gets a lot of good press, uh, at least from the guys yeah, I follow. Yeah, and,
0: and it's smart, though. I mean, yeah. that's that's the main thing. I mean, you don't expect that from a Comedy Central show since Chappelle show went
1: off air. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Drunk History is very fun. Um, and I'm listening to anything these days besides podcasts? Nah, not really. Yeah, I'm back in the podcast, so I'm listening to Nerdist, X-Files, Files, and... Um, Douglas Douglas movies movies, that's coming to Pittsburgh uh, soon yes it is I don't know if I'll be in town for that
0: though well if you're listening and you're in Pittsburgh I think September mid-September I think maybe could be a little sooner than that could be August I'm not sure when he's in town
1: oh I I think it's mid-August early August well regardless
0: uh, it's worth going to see it's really fun for the Bendy and Philby show I'm Bendy Uh, be sure to tell your friends and I'm Bees filling in for Philby and have a good one